The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning, it's Wednesday the 20th of September here in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, the EU's Ursula von der Leyen tells us China's massive electric vehicle subsidies need to be investigated. The CBI calls off its AGM at the last minute amid cash flow challenges at the business lobby group. And we bring you a special report on the game-changing oil finds that could transform Namibia, as long as they can avoid the pitfalls. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. The head of the European Commission says the EU needs to investigate massive subsidies China gives its electric vehicle industry. Ursula von der Leyen told Bloomberg the bloc won't accept unfair competition. We want a level playing field for our companies. And what we see is massive subsidies in the EV sector in China which is, of course, unleveling our playing field. And we do not um, accept this in the internal market for our companies. So we do also not accept it uh, for Chinese companies. Von der Leyen's European Commission announced the anti-subsidy investigation last week, which could lead to tariffs on made-in-China EV imports. Beijing has called the move a naked act of protectionism and could respond by restricting access to its market. China is the biggest market for a number of German car makers, which sold 4.6 million cars there last year. Well, speaking of vehicle production, UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak says that he plans to roll back green pledges in a bid to regain popularity. Bloomberg has learnt that Sunak is considering pushing back a deadline on the phasing out of fossil fuel vehicle sales. The shift comes as the Conservative Party's recent success campaigning against the London Mayor Sadiq Khan's green agenda. Now the mayor has derided Sunak's move. This is basically, you know, lazy politics from a weak prime minister throwing red meat to his backbenchers because he's so weak and ineffectual. It's not only Sadiq Khan pouring scorn on the the idea. Conservative uh, former business secretary Alex Sharma says that the chance won't help economically or electorally. The Confederation of British Industry has postponed its annual general meeting at the last minute over concerns about cash flow. Bloomberg's Ewan Potts has the story. The CBI has long been Britain's biggest business lobby group. Now Sky News reports it's thought to be as little as four weeks away from running out of money. Up until early this morning, the CBI's website listed its AGM due to kick-off today at 10am. But the business group told members yesterday its big annual meeting is being postponed due to cash flow issues. Its money problems come after dozens of the UK's biggest companies suspended engagement with the CBI in the wake of a series of allegations of serious sexual misconduct to the group. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Radio. 
Now, when it comes to UK inflation data, which is due out at 7am London time today, it's expected to have increased to 7% last month from 6.8% in July, according to a Bloomberg survey, driven by rising fuel prices. Core inflation, though, which excludes energy and food, is expected to decline by a tenth of 1% to 6.8%. But the economic outlook for the UK has darkened. All of this makes it a difficult backdrop for the Bank of England's rate decision. On Thursday, markets are now pricing in close to an 80% chance of a rate hike of 20 basis points. The Federal Reserve is expected to pause rate hikes today for the second time this year while leaving the door open for another increase as early as November. With inflation still well above the 2% target for the Fed and the US economy resilient, officials may pencil in one more hike into their quarterly projections. Bridgewater Associates Co-Chief Investment Officer Karen Carneal-Tambor says the Fed may be slower to cut rates than many expect. The bar is high to either raise or lower rates from where we are today. When you look at what it takes to get fast rate declines, usually you need the economy collapsing pretty quickly. That's, there's a sense of urgency, right? Economy's collapsing, sense of urgency, lower rates as fast as you can. That's very far from where we are today. We don't have a collapsing economy creating that. And inflation is still uncomfortably high. It's not as high as it was. It has been coming down. But the impetus for I got to lower rates quickly is certainly not there. You can hear that full conversation with Karen Carniel tambor recorded at the end of August on the latest episode of Bloomberg Wealth with David Rubenstein. We'll bring you that Fed rate decision live here on Bloomberg at 7pm London time, followed by Jerome Powell's press conference 30 minutes later. President Joe Biden is calling on world leaders to stand with Ukraine in its war against Russia. He made the appeal at the UN General Assembly in New York. If you allow Ukraine to be carved up, is the independence of any nation secure? I'd respectfully suggest the answer is no. We have to stand up to this naked aggression today and deter other would-be aggressors tomorrow. Biden's remarks attracted applause from UN delegates, including his Ukrainian counterpart, Volodymyr Zelensky, who was in the audience. Concerns have been growing over the cost of backing Ukraine's fight, with Kyiv's forces struggling to make major battlefield gains. Bloomberg understands that one G7 official sees the war lasting as long as seven years and says that allies need to plan financially to continue support for Ukraine. Consumers accidentally caught a glimpse of Microsoft's future video game plans after the tech giant mistakenly provided confidential information to a federal court website. The details were part of the FTC's antitrust suit against its takeover of Activision Blizzard, including unannounced games and a refreshed Xbox console. The information has subsequently been removed. Caroline, I've been fascinated by the latest piece from Bloomberg Opinion columnist Merrin Somerset-Webb. She's been looking at the buy-to-let market in the UK. We know that landlords have been selling up. We've been talking about that in the programme mm-hmm. as well. Of course, that's uh, due to higher interest rates as well. But she's asking the question, who would want to be a landlord in this market, despite the fact that rents are raising a, r- rising at one of the fastest paces on record? A number of buy- The record number of buy-to-let investors are planning to sell as well. New buy-to-let mortgages have slumped. They're only 8% of the total market mm. compared to 40% 
at the same period last year. Those are figures from the Financial Conduct Authority. Um, Merrin goes through a whole list of reasons why landlords are being turned off the market. Okay, interest rates, but there's also rising regulatory costs. There's new net zero rules coming. There's been change to wealth taxes. And really interesting, I thought, the risk of rent control for landlords. Scottish rents, Merrin points out, um, have been on new leases going up by more than the average, 13.4% in the last year. And that's because Scottish rent controls only allow for a 3% rise in rents for existing tenants every year. So that's making landlords more keen to leave the market in a desperate bid to push up rents between tenancies if they're staying on. This is a huge problem in the market. If yeah. you're trying to rent, it's more difficult than ever. Yeah, it, it's a huge problem. I, look, Mary Somerset Webb always has an absolutely trenchant view. She gets to the heart of the matter, particularly when it comes to sort of personal finances. And these are personal finances because so many landlords, it, it's it's basically an amateur's game mm. in the UK. Um, and the rental market, um, look, it's a bind, right, for the landlords, for the renters, but also for policymakers, because some of this has to be unraveled in order to kind of deliver the sort of market that the UK really needs. And as rates go up, I think the pressures are enormous. But it is, it's a fantastic read from Marion Somerset Ware, but she's always really pointed in uh, how she... Uh, you know, explains the topic. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. Let's bring you more into of our interview with the European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen now. She's been talking about how this is a decisive moment in Ukraine's bid to become a member of the EU. But she's also been discussing the EU's investigation into Chinese electric vehicle subsidies with Bloomberg's Francine Lacqua. So, first of all, why are we doing this? Uh, we like competition, but it has to be a fair competition. And we want a level playing field for our companies. And what we see is massive subsidies in the EV sector in China, which is, of course, unleveling our playing field. And we do not um, accept this in the internal market for our companies. So we do also not accept it for Chinese companies. And therefore, there is the investigation now into uh, subsidies in EVs in China. Have you since actually announcing the investigation talked to Chinese officials? Yes, we are, of course, in constant contact. Uh, the executive vice president uh, will travel to China uh, and discuss it uh, also with the Chinese. But um, we have now to uh, look at the figures and we're moving on. In, in the past, there was always a tit for tat, some kind of retaliation or certainly China making noise back. Will that happen? This we'll see, but important is that uh, for us it's very clear, we want competition. We want competition on quality, cost effectiveness, but not on subsidies. And therefore, uh, this is something, as I said, we would not tolerate in, for our own companies in, within the single market. So uh, it has to be fair play. President, it is a change in, in shift towards China. I guess Europe has always tried to remain quite neutral as there have been trade wars between the US and China. Well, I have defined our relationship with China um, early this year in a headline, Mm -hmm. de-risk, naughty couple. Um, Naughty couple means we have many topics where we can excellently and have to cooperate, for example, the fight against climate change. But there are also risks, for example, uh, the dependency on supply chains uh, in the critical raw materials. Um, Or, for example, when we see the risk that uh, the market is distorted by subsidies, uh, we have to address that. Uh, President Verdlein, you've always been very clear in in Europe's unwavering support for Ukraine. How do you see it ending? 
There is a strong support for Ukraine for as long as it takes. We've said it from the very beginning. And it is amazing to see that the people in Europe have completely understood this is about Ukraine, yes, but it's also about the question, respect for the international law, um, for the UN Charter. And this is very important for us because it defines the rules of the world. It defines the peace architecture that we do have. And therefore, support is strong and high. Will the U.S. also show the same unwavering support, or do you worry that in an election year the focus will be less on Ukraine and sending ammunition and sending armaments? The support of the United States for Ukraine has been impressive. And I think just working together as a European Union with the U.S. also um, really scaled up the support that we could give to Ukraine. Um, and I'm confident that the, the American people will stand by Ukraine too, uh, because I mean, here in New York, we are listening uh, intensively to the debates, and it shows that this knowledge about it is about our rules-based order is there, and this is what we want to defend. What if President Trump becomes a president, actually, of the United States? How will Europe deal with that, and what does that mean for Ukraine? Well, uh, it's a good rule not to comment on that. Um, and uh, we have dealt with uh, the topics in the past. So um, I'm confident that uh, we will stand by Ukraine, the US and the European Union. President, may have final question on, on EU enlargement. How quickly do you think Ukraine could join and others could join the, I am the bloc? I'm amazed to see how uh, Ukraine is doing very difficult reforms while they are fighting a war. This is impressive to see that. So um, I'm very confident if they keep the pace and uh, I see that they are absolutely motivated, um, that this is a decisive moment. And we know if I look at the future of Europe, of course enlargement is a merits-based process, but if I look at the future of Europe, I'm convinced Ukraine is a member of the European Union. Do you have a target date in mind or is it It's too soon? not a sharp date. It's a merits-based process. So um, they can be fast. Um, if they deliver, and what I see is impressive. That was the President of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, speaking to Bloomberg's Francine Lacqua in New York. Okay, so a key interview for you. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Now to another important story. It's touted by some as the world's biggest ever deep water oil find. This is the discovery off the shores of Namibia last year by Total Energies and Shell of an estimated 11 billion barrels of crude oil. It's generated, of course, understandable excitement in the southern African country and elsewhere. Bloomberg's Paul Burkhart joins us now for more from Johannesburg. Paul, great to have you with us and for a very Thank interesting you. story. How big are the oil discoveries uh, that have been made off Namibia? 
Yeah, well, it's it's hard to say right now. I mean, what we do know is that uh, Total and Shell last year made what they kind of characterized as significant discoveries, um, and there have been estimates by uh, by consultancies um, that that run up to 11 billion barrels. Because after those two wells were drilled, then there were a number of other wells drilled, but kind of the the focal point or what, what everyone's watching right now are, are the appraisal campaigns. So there's a lot of activity um, in those waters offshore in Namibia. There are three rigs, I think, at the moment, um, but multiple well campaigns by, um, by Shell and Total to see whether these discoveries are commercially viable or not. Um, and that's, you know, then we'll know more. But, but the estimates, you know, go up to a bil- uh, 11 billion barrels. So quite, quite big. What could this mean for Namibia? Uh, well, theoretically, I mean, that revenue could uh, double just from those two discoveries, the, the first initial, uh, the, the first two last year, um, could double GDP by 2040. So um, that's quite significant. Um, Namibia has, it's very, uh, has a very small population of 2.7 million people, and the inequality is quite high. So, um, you know, what happens with those funds, uh, that, that also, you know, that will also be watched. And mm. you know, if, if, we, if we look at Angola or Mozambique, which is in the same region, um, you know, that, that hasn't worked out very well. So uh, a lot of capacity is needed to prevent that in the minerals department, which is quite right. small right now. And yeah, you can't really, you, you can't plan for these things, but you do need to prepare for them once you know you have the resource. Paul, just very briefly, how long do you think it's going to take? What's the timeline? Uh, the timeline, I mean, the, the most optimistic timeline is 2029. We would see the first oil from, I think, the Total well, and okay. then shells would follow, yeah, a year later. So um, pretty quickly, and the oil companies are trying to do that. because They're racing against the energy transition. So, you know, they're trying to be as, as fast as they can with, with these developments. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 11.30. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.